0: This is Bias Bender, and I'm Kayla Stokes. Welcome to the 10th episode of this podcast, where we are exploring the lives of Black women from the past and the present in order to imagine the future. This week's episode is about Alice Ball and her incredible contributions to the medical world. Woo, episode number 10. I can't believe it's already been two and a half months of new weekly episodes. If this is the first episode you're listening to thank you so much for tuning in and if you've been around for all 10 wow thank you (laughs) 10 episodes might not seem like a lot in the grand scheme of things but because this is all new to me i feel pretty darn good about this milestone so to celebrate let's do what we're here for so far we've talked about women in a bunch of fields The Postal Service, Professional Baseball, Hollywood, and Education, just to name a few. This week, I wanted to broaden our scope even more. And I don't know about you, but I have been thinking heavily about disease over this past year and week and day and hour. (laughs) We're living through a pandemic, so yeah, need I say more? It's one of those things for me that I forget about for maybe up to an hour if I'm doing work or driving in a car, and then I check the news or see someone in a mask, and I remember, oh yeah, right, this is the wildest year of my life. (laughs) Anyway, I say all this to say that infectious disease is on my mind. So it feels like a good time to talk about a woman who spent a majority of her adult life working hard in the infectious disease medical field and that woman is Alice Ball. Alice Augusta Ball was born on July 24th, 1892 in Seattle, Washington. I know I have a bunch of listeners in Seattle, so I'm excited to talk about a Seattleite this week. Alice grew up with a family unit that consisted of her mother, Laura, her father, James, her two older brothers, William and Robert, and her younger sister, Addie. Her parents were professionals, both photographers and one a lawyer, who secured an upper middle class life for their children. And her grandfather was even a famous photographer who is credited as being the first black person to learn the craft of daguerreotype photography, which is the practice of printing photographs onto metal plates. So they were pretty comfortable financially in Seattle at the time. But her grandfather suffered from arthritis in his older age, so in 1903, when Alice was around 11 years old, the family relocated to Hawaii in order to change their climate. They hoped that consistently warmer weather would alleviate James Ball Sr.'s arthritis pain. However, a year later, he passed away, and the family relocated again back to Seattle. I definitely can't speak to how this personally affected the young Alice Ball, but I would think that this time in her life portrayed to her the lengths to which families were willing to go to help their ailing loved ones. So the family and Alice stayed in Seattle once they moved back. I sometimes feel like a little walking advertisement for Seattle lately, since I've now spent a good chunk of my time here this year. I don't know what it's like to grow up here, but I do know that the air is delicious to breathe in. (laughs) I can only imagine how much sweeter it was before industrialization really had a chance to sink its teeth into the whole world. Seattle has taught me so much about prioritizing nature, cozy clothes, and amazing views. It's difficult to get very far from a body of water here, and you're always being hugged by the surrounding mountains. If you can't tell, I'm a big fan. (laughs) So this is the place that cradled Alice as she grew up. She graduated from Seattle High School in 1910 and then went on to attend the University of Washington. Clearly, Alice loved school and her studies. She continued to chase degrees after earning her initial undergraduate degree in pharmaceutical chemistry. Her next degree was in pharmacy from the University of Washington again, and then she went back to Hawaii to pursue her next degree. She registered to attend the College of Hawaii, which is now known as the University of Hawaii, and got to work on her graduate degree. She was awarded an MS degree in chemistry in 1915 at the age of 23. Now, for the record, I am currently 23, and while I think about grad school quite often these days, I still feel kind of far away from having three degrees under my belt. But I'm not Alice Ball, and that's okay. I can still very much appreciate that by my age, she had become the first woman and the first black woman to earn a master's in chemistry in the United States. That is incredibly cool. So there she was at 23, offered a teaching and research position at the College of Hawaii, Just like that, she became the school's very first female chemistry instructor. I wonder what that was like for her. I wonder if people doubted her or if they were put in their place by her ability and knowledge. I like to think that the latter was more relevant to her experience, but considering the way the world has treated capable black women for so long, I'm not so sure about that theory. Nonetheless, Alice was working hard. In the classroom, she was helping students understand ideas and practices that she had mastered through her studies. In the lab, she focused on finding solutions to big problems. Her graduate thesis was on the active ingredients in the kava root, which was very interesting for Dr. Harry Hallman, who was working with the Chalmugra oil at the time. He was working at the Kalihi Hospital in Hawaii, and he recruited her to come work with him on his medical pursuits. So through this partnership, Alice's main focus shifted to working on a treatment for Hansen's disease, also known as leprosy. Okay, so to be honest, I've heard about leprosy for a very long time. I know it's a historically horrible disease that is known for its stigma and tough effects on the body, but beyond that, I really don't remember learning too much about it. Maybe I was sick when we learned about it during school, or maybe I was daydreaming during that class. Regardless, I feel like I needed to do some research to learn more for context. So I'm definitely not incredibly equipped to step you through the complete ins and outs of Hansen's disease, but I was able to do some research to scratch the surface, so I'll share with you what I took away from it, and hopefully that helps you contextualize what Alice was working with. Okay, Leprosy is a historically stigmatized infectious disease that has been around for a very, very long time. When I call it an infectious disease, I mean that it is something people are infected with, not born with. Basically, what happens is that a microbacteria infects a person and goes through an incubation period until symptoms are eventually presented in the patient. Much like an infectious disease we're all highly aware of right now— Leprosy is known to typically be passed through droplets, but leprosy is unique in that its incubation period is super long. So we know that COVID, for instance, has an incubation period of up to two weeks. So from the time someone coughs on you until you start to feel sick, it could take a few days up to two weeks. However, with leprosy, the incubation period lasts anywhere from one to 20 years. According to my research, the average incubation period is 5 years from the point of infection until symptoms arise. So, a person could be exposed to the bacteria and not feel anything for 5 to 20 years. Think about what you were doing 5 years ago. I feel like I barely remember what I had for dinner last week, let alone who I might have contracted leprosy from 5 years ago. Needless to say, the nature of the disease makes it really hard to pin down where people catch it. And if we look back historically before folks had lab equipment and knew what bacteria was, they were dealing with this disease. It looks like the peak of the disease's prevalence was during the Dark and then the Middle Ages. But the bacteria itself has been perhaps around for as long as humans have been on Earth. And when we have diseases that cause painful lesions, disfigurements, damage to the respiratory tract and nervous system, we can be quite afraid of them. Unfortunately for the people suffering from this disease, the general population has not always been kind and understanding towards their needs. Throughout history, we have seen a banishment and harsh dismissal of leprosy sufferers, There was a belief that patients brought leprosy upon themselves through bad deeds or that they just didn't deserve to live amongst everyone else and receive care. So along the way, leprosy patients have been severed from their families and lives and sent away, or worse, forcibly murdered because of their condition. Now, you might be thinking that as people advanced medically, this mindset was abandoned quickly well, you wouldn't really be right. (laughs) Leprosy patients were continually banished well into the 20th century. On the islands of Hawaii specifically, the king decided to make leprosy an illegal diagnosis, essentially, in 1866. He decreed that any person found to have leprosy would be sent away to the island of Molokai. They were forced to end any marriages and family ties in order to be sent away for life. This practice continued until 1969. That's 51 years ago for anyone counting. So I don't know the intricacies of how to explain how the bacteria exactly infects humans, but I do know about the stigma that has come along with it. The stigma is so deep-rooted that the U.S. medical community decided to start calling the disease Hansen's disease because of the stigma associated with the term leprosy. It amazes me how fear can really affect the way we treat one another. And disease is definitely one of those things that can bring out the worst in us, unfortunately. Alright, so that is my background session on leprosy, aka Hansen's disease. I definitely don't know everything you can know about it, but I hope that made sense. What I do suggest you do if you're interested in learning more is to do a little deep dive of your own. I found my research to be incredibly interesting and informative, and hey, it's always fun to learn something new. I listened to a podcast that I've been a fan of for a while for most of my background research. The show is called This Podcast Will Kill You, and their episode on leprosy was one of their very first episodes a few years ago now. They do a great job at unpacking the disease, and they are far more qualified to give you detailed information than I am. So this was the infectious disease that Alice decided to dedicate her research to, and she really was able to make huge strides through her work. Her goal was to find a treatment for patients suffering from the disease. Her research led her to create the first injectable leprosy treatment. So up until then, this Chalmugra oil had been used in the East as a treatment amongst Asian and Indian cultures, but mostly in a topical way. So the oil would be rubbed on the affected areas, but it was sticky and it only worked to a certain degree. However, swallowing the oil wasn't a great idea either because it was so unpalatable that most patients couldn't hold it down. Injecting it in its natural state was a method that was used at this point, but that too caused a lot of problems since it was an oil it did some pretty horrific things under the skin that i'm not going to make you picture because i want to spare you the imagery but trust me that it couldn't have been pleasant to have raw chalmugra oil injected into your skin especially when you were already dealing with the effects of leprosy so alice's mission was to find a way to make this oil water soluble so that it could be injected more easily But if you've ever mixed olive oil and vinegar together, you probably know that oil and water don't easily mix. It was a big task to figure out how to get this done, but Alice was just the woman to achieve the mission. She used all her tools to get to work. Her passion for chemistry, which may have been ignited by watching her parents and grandfather use chemicals to develop photographs. Her empathy for the lengths people will go to to help treat their loved ones, and her knowledge for isolating components that she picked up working with the Kava Root all came together to help her find the solution. Alice Ball eventually came up with the method necessary to make an injectable treatment for leprosy patients. It was effective and way less painful than the alternatives of the time. For the first time ever, 78 patients from the Kalihi Hospital were released and sent home to their families. Her method unlocked life for patients who were stuck with a terminal sentence previously. You'd think everyone would want to shout Alice Ball's name from the rooftops considering the life-saving work she had done, but unfortunately, this was not the case for a very long time. Alice Ball grew ill and returned to Seattle to be with her family. At the age of 24, Alice passed away on December 31st, 1916. The cause for the untimely death is not super clear, but many sources I used blamed a laboratory accident that caused her to be exposed to chlorine. Regardless, it was such a huge loss at such a young age. And to put insult to injury, since Alice Ball passed away before she could publish her research and findings, someone had the smart idea to steal her work. Arthur L. Dean was a chemist and the president of the College of Hawaii. He decided to continue her work and publish his findings without giving credit where credit was clearly due. He called Alice's method the Dean Method. So not cool. Luckily, that is not where the story ends. Ball's supervisor from Kalihi Hospital, Dr. Hallman, didn't like that Alice wasn't getting credit either. He spoke out about the injustice, and eventually the method was correctly dubbed the Ball method. This method of treatment became the preferred effective treatment for over 20 years until the 1940s when a cure was beginning to be developed. The eventual cure that we still use to this day is referred to as MDT, or multi-drug therapy, and it consists of three drugs that work together to kill the bacterial infection. So, while we don't necessarily use Alice Ball's method for leprosy treatment today— we can definitely thank her for giving a second chance to so many patients for multiple decades. Also, yes, Hansen's disease is still alive and well today. I honestly kind of thought that leprosy was eradicated and a thing of the past, but I was wrong. While there is a cure and cases are quite rare in the U.S., people are still affected by the disease to this day. So Alice Ball's work directly affects where we are today. She pioneered the idea that the disease is not a death sentence, but a curable condition worth fighting. Okay, so if you're interested in honoring Alice Ball, there are actually a few ways to do so now that her memory is properly secured. First of all, we learned about her together, which feels like a great way to honor someone's legacy. You can go ahead and check that one off your list. If you are in Seattle, I found out that there is an Alice Ball Park in northwest Seattle on Greenwood Avenue. It looks like a great place to have a socially distanced picnic in her honor. Next, if you happen to be in Hawaii, lucky you, (laughs) you can check out her plaque at the University of Hawaii. And every four years on February 29th, you can celebrate Alice Ball Day, which is an official holiday in the state. At first, I was kind of miffed that her day was leap day, but I think I like the idea of celebrating her story on the day that feels like borrowed time. Alice Ball wasn't given a ton of time on Earth, but she did a whole lot with it. She followed her passion and helped families reunite with their loved ones along the way. I'm so glad that I got to learn about Alice and her achievements. This week, I am reminded that you're never too young to make a huge difference, no matter who you are. I'm also reminded to send out a whole lot of gratitude towards our medical professionals and those who support them as we navigate a pandemic. I can't even begin to imagine what it must feel like to be going up against such a big and unknown disease that affects so many people across the globe. So this week, i If I didn't already feel grateful, I feel even more grateful for the doctors and nurses and cleaning staff in the hospitals that are dedicating their lives to helping us hopefully get on the other side of this monster of a disease we're dealing with right now. I am very aware that I am able to be here and healthy because of the power of medicine and I'm so grateful for the advances medicine has made so far. And finally, how lucky are we to be able to look towards a future when even more is known about our health and well-being? Thank you so much for supporting me through the first 10 episodes of this podcast. I'm so pleased with how much I've been able to do so far, and I'm excited to see where we can go from here. If you have any thoughts or suggestions or criticism or questions, please feel free to reach out to me directly. You can reach me at the BiasBender email, which is just BiasBender at gmail.com, or you can DM me through Instagram or Facebook, which is just at BiasBender on both. At the beginning of this year and summer, I had no idea I would be starting a podcast So thank you so much for downloading and listening and rating and reviewing and subscribing and telling your friends to listen because it really does help. So thank you for doing that. And if you want to keep doing it, please do, because I feel like this is only the beginning. I am feeling so grateful that each week I get to learn and research and tell the stories of black women I didn't know about before. And I'm so glad that you are along for the ride. Thank you so much for listening. I used the following sources to research this week's episode. Alice Ball articles from Biography.com New Scientist by Gigi Lee Chemistry World by Nina Notman JSTOR Daily by Liz Tracy and National Society of Black Physicists The CDC's page on Hansen's disease World Health Organization's page on leprosy and this podcast will kill you episode on leprosy As always, original music by Adam Westerman